All right, I am your. Oh, I don't even know how to start this. Welcome to the. What are we again? Welcome to the Vegabond <laughs> Gamecast. I'm your co-host Stephen, and this is Matt. How are you doing, Matt? Or as I call it, the podcast. Right? Yeah, when yeah, are we yeah. doing the podcast? What's what's new with the podcast? Yeah. Ah, uh, well, it's Friday. Uh, it's been one of those weeks. I'll I'll say I'm in a pretty good mood. Just gonna coast through and hopefully have an okay weekend. I need one of those soundboards so that whenever you say it's Friday, I can like call up Rebecca Black. <laughs> I, I'm sure they are readily available. Yeah. The soundboard. I just, I mean. Yeah. I just don't want one. Yeah. I want one and I don't want one. I mean, you uh, could just bookmark one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, um, I guess the, the our, our topic of the day du jour is uh, we, we both started reading uh, Jason Schreier's uh, press reset indeed indeed is that how you say his name i'm going to uh say we can, we can go back so. and edit that part <laughs> jason Schreier i mean Schreier is what i always assumed but uh i could be the oddball i would I, sure jason Schreier. <laughs> cool all right all right and you finished the first three chapters yep excellent excellent we are I in did. the same place Okay, nice. Yeah, so so I mean, uh, has it conjured up any thoughts for you so far? <laughs> Let me ask ahead of time first. Did you read his first yeah. book? I did. Uh, when, whenever that came out, I guess that came out twenty seventeen. So, yeah, I, I I did read that. So quite some time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, likewise for myself, I find I don't know. I I feel so. I read the intro to this one, and he kind of describes how he's I guess like approaching a fairly similar topic just like mm -hmm. whatever being in the industry and how hard it is i guess generally right um from like a different angle it's yeah i don't know it's it's fun for me but it's, it's, there's similar stories i'd say definitely this one's more <laughs> conjured thoughts that are conjured um i feel fortunate that my life is more stable in a lot of ways than people it seems like <laughs> quite a sacrifice at least for a lot of people to pursue uh this particular career in a lot of ways i guess yeah. <laughs> i mean they always talk about the starving artists and so forth so there's these careers that uh people do out of love um love of the craft etc and yeah. there's the successful people who become superstars and make lots of money and so on and so forth and the people who kind of find happiness but maybe struggle etc i mean these are you know we could talk about we could have 20 podcasts episodes about that exactly there's just so yeah. many people talking about this on the internet so i guess um you know like i guess the one thing is as someone who like yourself almost certainly just like reads stuff on the internet or has read uh, gamma sutra and so forth like i feel like a lot of these stories this isn't like shedding some light on the industry in some way i didn't know it's kind of like what i expected but mm -hmm. it's always interesting um i guess like uh the author's uh, writing style is interesting and, and he, he just kind of tells the story in a well-paced way. So it's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the first story, why don't we start at the top? Well, let, let me, okay. What do you think <laughs> overall generally? This, well, I mean, I, I, I find it interesting cause I mean, I mean, I, you're not working in games yeah. to the same extent that I am. Um, <laughs> zero to hundred, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, unless I you mean, call this working in games. Well, I mean, it's not, fair, it's not fair to say zero for you because we have attempted on multiple occasions to to make a game together, right? Right. It's never uh, been my livelihood. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never relied on income from a game industry job to survive. Right, but so so that's what's interesting is like this. This is a hundred percent my uh, thing, mm-hmm. um, and it's and it's interesting for me because like I, I worked in film and two of the no sorry three of the three film industry companies that I worked at don't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas didn't um, one of them go under when like while you were there? Yeah. So I mean, that. so I mean, it's it. I, it's not completely fair to say that they don't exist anymore because they they were just like bought or whatever. So mm-hmm. like the first company I, w- I was at was bought I think twice since I left. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second company I was at just a hundred percent doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. The third company I was at went bankrupt and then uh, found a buyer and now exists in a new form. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I've had more instability from my film career than i did from the games career that i had like the the first the first game company that i worked at still exists the second one merged into a different one and then the third one still exists so it's it's i don't know it's interesting to read these stories that are about like studios that are opening and closing and and how volatile the games industry is but from my perspective it's always been more stable than what i used to have I wonder. I wonder how common that is. How many people are like, you know, I, I was living this unstable life, and then I found my gaming industry. It's like, <laughs> man, finally. I also, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I also don't know how much you want to talk about it. But like, mm-hmm. like your personal uh, career and experience in games, how mm-hmm. normal would you say that is? I guess for me, of course, the type of stories that are always highlighted are like yeah. what they've talked about in this book, which sounds very unstable but it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's people who've just worked at ea or something for well that's 20 years and they're happy right that's 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 their thing yeah like i mean i feel like what i've done is pretty normal like Hmm. uh the first studio that i was at was so that was the coalition and and that Hmm. i've actually got some like memories conjured up of that because in chapter two of this book it talks about um bioshock and how uh, they had to get Rod Ferguson to come in and kind of close off the game. Mm-hmm, and Rod mm-hmm. Ferguson is who was in charge of the coalition while I was there. So I've I've got experience working uh, under him. Uh, so the coalition was a new studio, mm-hmm. kind of when I I joined up. So so everyone like no one had been there long term. But but they made Gears of War, which was an epic games property previously and there were a lot of people on gears of war for who had worked at epic on gears of war like rod being one of them Mm. um so so it seems interesting that there were a lot of people that are kind of like sticking with the franchise Uh, um and and of course it was a new studio so there was lots of people that, that had come in from other places um bioware montreal was a new studio but they had shipped a lot of people there from bioware edmonton like okay. there, so so there were a lot of long time Bioware people in there. So that like this idea that there's people that are sticking with the company for a decade, uh, just to me is almost unheard of when it comes to film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens. Like the you, you have like the Glenn Keens or whoever who who stuck with Disney for well over a decade. Uh, it, it definitely happens. Uh, but yeah, it's so uh, this all feels normal to me the fact that there are some people who enjoy where they are and stick where they are and and some people who for whatever reason decide they want a different change of tone or 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 city or whatever and uh ship off somewhere else after a production ends i mean Uh, 
yeah, that's I feel like that's a little bit of a different spin, certainly. Like the the theme of this book, the mm -hmm. way I'm reading it, it's like all these people wanted to stick around, but their funding evaporated or their yeah. boss suddenly gathered everyone and said, get out. And then it was like such an upheaval. Yeah. Um, I think definitely from what I've seen, heard, even just like from from you on both games and film, it seems like I feel like people going into those industries go in with this mindset that they're going to have to do that or it's just mm -hmm. well known you're going to have to do that. And it's almost yeah. like maybe it's a choice that's forced on you a little bit. Like you don't, you have less opportunity not to do that if you'd rather not do that. But mm -hmm. people, from what I've seen, again, I could be just talking out of my ass, but like some people kind of take that as a piece of the adventure. Like I know I'm going to be going to all these different cities. That's fun, maybe. Yeah. And I see, like in in my industry, it's like you kind of still see that. I mean, my industry is quite stable. I could just mm -hmm. stay at big company X for 30 years if I want to. Mm -hmm. But when you look at people, they they'll often switch companies every three to five years. Maybe not yeah. like one year. Like my project ended, Sia, but like fairly often um and that, that of course companies kind of cluster in the same areas kind of but i do see people going mm -hmm. like up and down the west coast of the u.s um some people will like uh maybe relocate to where they're from and you, you kind of see the, that spreading out a bit so mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting because it's 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 like you can kind of do that if you want but mm -hmm. there's maybe a little more opportunity maybe a lot more i don't know to just like stay in one place if, if that's preferable yeah yeah yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's definitely hit and miss. Like, there's, there's a lot of people. Maybe I just perceive it a little bit more because of film. The film industry, mm. the places that I worked were were definitely populated largely with people who who were fine to move around. Like, I worked yeah. with some of the same people in Toronto as I did in Australia, as I did in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, like, like the it wasn't just me moving around. It was other people. And some people really love that. And th at the same time, like there was this whole thing, like when I was working in film, it was the same time as life is uh, life of Pi came out. And, mm -hmm. and there was a big thing with the uh, protests at the, uh, the, I don't know, whatever the award Academy show was. Yeah. Or yeah. Cause uh, lack of credit. I kind of, I've, yeah. I only vaguely remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but, but part of it is like people from LA, like there's a lot of people in America um, did, did you ever see the movie? Um, um, oh crap! It was a it was a big musical that was popular with uh, Ryan Gosling and, and Emma Stone. Uh, La La Land. Yeah, La La, 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 La Land. Land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did see it. Well, I mean, I had this feeling when watching that that like America really loves to kind of um, go crazy with this idea of like california dreaming and like y y if you go to hollywood this is where it's at like <laughs> yeah, yeah like all like all the actors want to go there all and all the visual effects people want to go there too like if you want to be interested in film like this is where you go and there's That's... lots of people that had that dream they want to go there. Like, they want to stay there forever mm -hmm. and and there was all these and still is to these days tax subsidies that are going on where like people are going to vancouver because it's it's cheaper labor and that's why i'm in montreal is it's cheaper labor and and that's fine for some people they don't care about moving around they don't necessarily have a home base they want to set up but there are a lot of people that certainly want to just anchor themselves to a spot and never move and have uh, what, what's the phrase set up roots um not too familiar to you i know <laughs> yeah so so i mean there's definitely people with both attitudes in the industry so i'm 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 sure 
some of the people who are most affected by a studio closure are going to be the people who who, who wanted something secure and permanent. And, and of course, that's going to attract the, the attention of someone like Jason, who's, who's going to be doing interviews. Like the, the person that's completely fine with moving on is not kicking up a stink and, and not really going to attract the attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I see that. Uh, it's interesting. Again, I, I, I don't want to focus too much on my industry because it's mm-hmm. not really relevant or interesting but like i feel like i guess that's where the um the biggest difference is is like i don't see a lot of people like lose their job and then kind of hit the road out of necessity it's more like they feel like it so they do that's where like it's a stability but it's also a flexibility like i guess it's interesting you're approaching you're looking at the game industry almost from the i guess from the perspective of someone that's been in film which in your experience Mm -hmm. was less stable when i wanted to uh, so when I was going to school, I majored in electronics and I imagined myself going to a company, I don't know, like say like IBM and working on like circuit designs or working at one of the big electronics makers to make household electronics or something or like cell phones or something. And that cool, industry. 1980s microwaves. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, well, so um, I, I actually have no idea what it's like working in that industry nowadays, um, especially I think a lot of that has moved like you don't really see those jobs in, in, especially in North America per se so much, but, um, uh, for a long time, that was like, that was like a stable job, right? You get a job Mm -hmm. at IBM and you work there for 30, 40 years, then you retire. Right. And so like for me coming into even like tech and especially looking at the games industry, like I'm, I'm coming from the other end, right. Where I guess I expected perhaps as a super naive 18 year old or whatever, to go and work at some big electronics company, Sharp or something, and then just make stuff forever, and it's going to be so awesome, and then retire. And instead, mm-hmm. it's like I'm, I'm jumping companies every five, six years, whatever. In games, it's like you jump at the end of a project. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my limited lens into what's going on is only through articles and, and books like this, where it's like, of course, it highlights those cases, as you've called out. So, it, mm-hmm. actually, I think your experience is kind of an anchoring thing for me, because it's it, like... I. I correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't really seen since you've gone into games, like a time where you were suddenly in a really bad position because you were shocked with a decision someone had made and now you're scrambling to find your feet. So yeah, I mean, that. I mean, luckily that hasn't happened to me. And, and I mean, you got to take into consideration that I am speaking from a, a, a position of privilege where, you know, there's like survivorship bias. Like yeah. I, I have had things kind of work out in my favor. Yeah. But I mean, there, I mean, you go on Twitter right now, there's the whole Blizzard Activision stuff going on right now there's there's certainly people who aren't in a good state in in the world and maybe they are forced to relocate to different companies and stuff not you know for purely fun reasons um there there was one page uh that i did take a screenshot of because of course i'm reading this book on on google play um and and it's from chapter I don't remember if it's chapter two or three, um, but it, it's it's talking about Frey. She says, uh, three, yeah. uh, and okay, I'm going to put several years of my life into a game and then maybe it'll, it'll do well and maybe it won't and then I'm going to move and then I'm going to do it again and maybe it'll do well and maybe it won't, but nothing will ever be mine and this will never end. I'm on this treadmill that will never end. <laughs> and I do totally relate to that component of it. It, it is hard to figure out where that balance is in in this of of like attachment i guess like 
Yeah. Like, I feel like most people who are making games are doing it because they love games more so than because it's just the job that they felt <laughs> yeah. like they needed to do after high school. Almost certainly, I would guess. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. There's, 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 I don't, I guess I can't speak about everyone's passions, but I feel like when you're going to work at the, the local print studio printing flyers for the, like the weekly things that get left on people's doorsteps or, or something, cause, cause that's a job that I had. I don't feel like the people that were in there, that was like a, a dream for them. It was just like, that was the convenient job that happened to pop up and they, and they stayed there. Yeah. I, I guess some I, people, sorry to interject quickly, some mm -hmm. people find their passion or they get passionate about stuff. Like I know yeah, people yeah, yeah. who, yeah, like I, I so uh, we previously had gone through the process of getting a mortgage and the mortgage guy was like the most passionate human I've met in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, personally, getting people mortgages is like <laughs> the last thing I would be able to muster any passion for. And I doubt he, as like a young person, had that passion, right? Like no one says yeah. when they're 16, that's oh, this is my job goal, but like he's doing it, he loves it. I I guess yeah. people find their passion somewhat. Whereas, yeah, definitely game people. I bet it's fairly rare that they happened into the game industry and then that suddenly it was their passion. But I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Go on. But, sorry. but, but I, I, well, I just feel that that's like a weird, it's a weird job because of that though. Because like yeah. when you're on a team with, let's say 80 people and you're all working on making a game, like you may have ideas, but so does everyone else and everyone has to kind of draw that line as to like which hills are they going to die on like which features are they going to try and champion versus yeah. which ones are they going to just let someone else have and and you're not always going to be happy with everything and, and it is totally this feeling of like where do i draw the line of of what is what am i doing because i'm getting paid and it's my job and what am i doing because i love it and if you are doing it and you love it and the game isn't a success or, or everyone else doesn't like it or whatever. It's, 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 it's definitely weird <laughs> from, from my perspective of, weird of just indeed. like trying to draw lines of it's a job. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I'd say there, you might be surprised. Like there is definitely parallels outside of games and creative mm -hmm. industries. Like I find that in tech industry too, right? Like there's yeah. people massively crazy passionate about projects. And at some point, like I myself have been really excited for some projects and some projects it's been like, well, it's a job. I'm going to do this thing I committed to. I'm going to try and do it as well as I can and move on. Mm -hmm. And I guess like probably for creative people, especially they're like you said, I mean, I, I don't want to imply anything, but generally mm -hmm. if you choose to do art as a career, it's going to be less stable. It's maybe going to be less financially rewarding than going and being a lawyer or something. Right. But then that's not reward. Like the day to day, the time being spent isn't as rewarding. And so the artist is there doing mm -hmm. that job because it's what they love to do and not because of those other reasons and so like yeah like if that's if that's the way you've structured your career probably every second drawing that line is like a bigger i don't know like something that would weigh on your mind a lot mm -hmm. heavier than say a lawyer or something yeah but it is but I, I think that's part of um what creates these situations in the first place where like if you're looking at uh, this book and the, and the stories of like people doing crunch and stuff. It's like people are largely, largely willing to put themselves through that because they feel so passionate and they want this product to be out and, and they want, yeah. I don't know, their 10 out of 10 ratings or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, so I, I totally completely understand 
everything that I'm reading in there. Like it, they're all uh, emotions that I felt, even though I haven't necessarily been at a studio that's, um, or a game studio that has uh, shut down around me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, as you opened with, I'm not someone who's been like uh, relying on the game industry for for money or whatever. But like, mm-hmm. I, I can see it even just as an outside observer. Like, it's very, I don't know. It's, uh, it's like I think a very relatable human experience in in many ways. Well, it's part part of what has been interesting for me reading this stuff is like wondering, I guess, what could have been or what do- bullets I have dodged because like uh, so so you and I when we lived in Vancouver started up a uh, company called Spritzelsoft, and I remember while we were trying to figure this out, like we. It started with us just doing this, like we're just <laughs> brainstorming a game and, and trying to figure out what we're going to make. And, and as we start doing that, we start going around to like local uh, events and stuff like the, the full indie meetup. That was so much fun. Stuff. Those events were a lot of fun to me. Yeah, there was a lot of that that was fun. And but we both had full time day jobs while we're doing this. Right. And and. I remember like we started to talk to some other people and they're just like, yeah, man, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. You just gotta quit your day job and just do it. And it doesn't matter how much debt you go into or anything. You just got to live the life. And there was a large part of me that was like kind of inspired and wanted to do that. (laughs) Yeah. But, but also like, man, that's, that's a lot of risk to, to just, quit your job and not have any income and and try to do that and and like reading these stories in chapter three i guess where they are trying to do that it's like (laughs) i I don't know that i could have handled that stress (laughs) Uh, so two points i think first it's definitely a gutsy enormously courageous decision in a way i think it's a very different thing when you're like 18 or 22 or something than when you're you know 30 talking with your spouse about starting a family blah 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 that stuff right it's very it's very different i also think like i mean imagine you had never really had a good job in your life and you were kind of a drifter and and whatever and someone offered you this job that was really really fun it's gonna be so awesome and it's gonna pay you 50k a year like to you it's like what a dream right whereas if you're someone who has worked really hard you're now making 150k. Everything's stable. Everything's fun. But there's this dream job, and mm-hmm. but it's only going to pay you 50k a year. You know what I mean? It's like it's like it's harder to come out of stability having walked that path yeah. than to to like having never even experienced that. Take those risks, right? And I feel like a lot of those, like not everyone, first of all, and regardless of it, I again think they're courageous and I, I it's awesome they're chasing their passions. But that was what it was for me, I guess. Like I, I had been walking a more stable path, although. The job I was working at the time afforded me practically zero financial uh, freedom in the city mm-hmm. of Vancouver, which was insanely expensive to live in and is apparently way worse right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It was kind of, as you've called it, it was terrifying to, to think that way. <laughs> yeah. It's my biggest problem now, too. Like, I've just had this. I've, I've, it's like what, you know, kind of a golden handcuffs. There's nothing to feel mm-hmm. sorry about for me. Like, I'm extremely lucky. But it, just to, to take that career path. I would be sacrificing every, very many things about my life yeah. just to be able to spend full time on a project. Maybe this is a digression, but like, I guess I've been, I mean, uh, we've, we've kind of taken a stab at a few game projects. I've had a really hard time stabilizing and finding time. I think a problem, it's a problem for me to like, in retrospect, maybe try and maintain a full-time job and mm-hmm. I guess commit to things on the side, especially when my job can be quite uh, overwhelmingly, I don't know. I wouldn't say unstable, but like there's just there's just times you just 
mm-hmm. you have to focus on work and that that week kind of goes away right like it's just that kind of um non-routine allowing job yeah. i don't know um but like i guess like just like dinkling along on, on the side on some little project it feels okay to me if i if there's no one to disappoint i guess and i was just kind of working on my own thing of course it's going to be massively slow but mm-hmm. i'm i kind of take satisfaction in that like i think looking forward thinking about it um that's where i would derive i guess what people seek when they go into the game industry is going to of course be different but for a lot of people it's like their own ownership or ability to contribute mm-hmm. ideas and design a game and then release it etc like that i guess i can kind of scratch that itch just by doing these little side projects mm-hmm. without sacrificing kind of my financial stability yeah, yeah. which sounds like a i don't know maybe that's like a, a cop-out or the, the most <laughs> pathetic wimpy approach to this that one could take but uh, i don't know i guess like where i'm at right now especially with two young kids blah 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 it just feels like my uh best way to scratch that itch yeah whereas like at the time in vancouver as you called out that was man that was almost 10 years ago that's insane um <laughs> that is insane wow okay yeah. well anyway Wow. <laughs> Sometimes I, I like wake up in the morning and I think my kid is six years old. It's yeah. been six years since I was childless. Yeah. But 10, like almost 10 years is wild. Yeah. Yeah. I um, mean, I mean, I mean, we, we, we started off with our project birthright that we, uh, we shelved because we were too afraid of it taking five years to finish. <laughs> you, I imagine you still have everything, right? Uh, I maybe probably, I think so. <laughs> When, when someone wins the lottery or something, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to dig up some stuff. Yeah. Oh, bam. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, but go ahead. That's so, I mean, that's, that's basically it for me. It's just, I mean, reading all these stories definitely, uh, I don't know if I, if I were reading like some sort of stories about the dairy industry or something, I, I, I definitely wouldn't be identifying with it nearly as much, but like everything <laughs> yeah. that I'm reading is like stuff that, i've thought about and and felt i guess i think i think it's a well-written book even though even though i'm so early into it i mean have you have you read like a lot of so i liked his first book and i liked even like Mm -hmm. masters of doom and stuff like a lot of these uh you don't know that one that it's just like the story of doom you know john carmack excuse me and john romero and blah 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 blah, how they came to be and whatever people cite it all the time i found it very I don't know. <laughs> I found the writing almost like amateurish if I want mm-hmm. to throw like an what kind of like a maybe a negative but in the end like that almost it it kind of just it made it fun I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like reading like a, a website um account of what's happening I guess. Um but uh maybe we should talk about kind of how maybe we should reflect on the three stories a little bit or the three chapters. Mm-hmm. What did you um, uh how did you feel I already I mean, forget what the first one was. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was uh, Warren Spector. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I so, guess I mean, I was, so, I sorry. That, I, go ahead. Really, really quick, I was just going to say, I actually like how he kind of opened with three uh, very different perspectives. Like, instead of, like, here's this, mm-hmm. a story of a whole bunch of people who are, like, 25, and in their first five years, they've had a lot of turbulence. It's like he starts with the kind of industry veteran and goes over his whole career. Yeah. Then he goes into, like, a kind of like a, a superstar in his team. And then the third story is more of the young people. So yeah. I liked that he started with the kind of the 
looking back on a longish career and here's mm-hmm. all the turbulence I experienced. So you can kind of put it, the whole thing into perspective. I thought that was a good choice. Go ahead. I don't want to like, I know you're holding on to the thought. Well, no, I mean, it, I was going to say kind of the same thing. Like I, I, I I mean, maybe that's why I've got kind of like a positive feeling about the book right now is because I just finished chapter three about the indies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think that stuff with Warren Spector was kind of happening around the time I was leaving San Francisco, I think, because mm. I, I remember it being like this. Uh, I got to double check it now. Like when did the Disney Infinity stuff close? Uh, Disney Infinity. I can't type in. Try to be entertaining at the same time. Infinite, uh, infinity uh, closed. Uh, so that was 2016. So the, yeah, that was a, that was around the time <laughs> that I was leaving. Uh, mm-hmm. That I had just left San Francisco, and and it's. I don't know. I remember reading the articles about this at the time, and just I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the mega corporations. Uh, <laughs> Like, like the, the fact that like Disney and like Apple and stuff are, are, they're just like the, the biggest, like Jeff Bezos money companies in the world where you can do whatever you want and you're just so concerned about stock prices and, and being at like the exponential growth mega corporation that you can be that it's, I just, it feels so dirty to me. And like the this idea that like he's got these games coming out, but they're not profitable enough. <laughs> enough. <laughs> it's just like, why would I give you a dollar and get a dollar ten? Yeah, yeah. Get, it's like, man, you're you're you're. That's ten percent growth. Why are you complaining? Just like, it's... I don't know. It, it's it's weird because I, I like I read a, a a story about that last night. Um, that um. Scarlett Johansson is yeah, yeah. suing Disney because they breached her contract uh, by by releasing uh, uh, Black Widow in theaters and streaming simultaneously. And it's just yep. like I I hate everyone in this story. <laughs> I know, I totally get. It. <laughs> it's like I, the second I read that, I looked up um, Scarlett Johansson's net worth, and it's like yeah. one hundred thirty million. Yeah, no, I don't. It's weird. I, I kind of. So the word sue, like when you hear it, there's almost this connotation. It's like they're out to get somebody. right? It's like, I'm going to sue your ass. I'm going to take you down. Right. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. really just about like like a contract was made and you want to square it. Right. Like you think it's unfair now or yeah. it's not being honored. So you're just trying to make it fair. So part of me, I mean, you know, I, she's just doing the rounds like this is what we agree yeah. on. I'm just bringing my lawyers to set things right. Yeah. At the same time, it's hard for, I guess, normal people like me and you when we see like. I don't know if I had like that much money. I mean, I guess I maybe I would prefer I have more money instead of Megacorp X has the more money. Yeah. But at some point, I'd just be like, what you guys? Ah. I'd, I'd like release a nasty statement and then go back to my enormous Malibu house and just chill. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's hard being an adult because now I can understand everyone's perspective a lot better. Like yeah. when you're a kid, it's a lot easier to just be like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so so it's like. Yeah, I totally have that perspective of like you're you're rich as dogs. Just just leave it alone and be happy with your money bin, <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. Uh, and and I I at the same time completely understand her. Like Disney breached the contract, uh, yeah. and it's like as much as Disney wants to put out the this uh, good Samaritan argument that you know 
because of the pandemic, not everyone can go to the theaters. We need to make sure that the most people possible can enjoy the, these little nuggets of beauty that we've created. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're totally just doing it so that they can make money. Of course like, they are, yeah. Like, it's totally just about how much money can they make. And the fact that they are <laughs> weaseling their way out of a contract is, is you know... Part of that. Small potatoes for them, I guess. Um, but but yeah, that's that's the thing that I got with the Warren Spector is just like you know they're, they're the Disney Infinity stuff I know was quite beloved by a lot of people and but it, it wasn't profitable enough so you got to close it down and, and they 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 don't think about the fact that there's like hundreds of people that are doing this for a living and you're totally just playing with their lives like. It's a really weird thing. I'm certainly, I, believe me, I'm not, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not siding with yeah, the, yeah. pure capitalists or anything. But I always, like, w- I always read these kind of stories and I get these knee-jerk reactions, kind of like you. It's like, wow, that's evil. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. And I always try and see it from the perspective of the other side. It's like I play devil's advocate with myself. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like thinking about this and it's just kind of weird to me. I mean, like, say like Pixar. I might have even mentioned Pixar, I don't know. But like Pixar, you know, they're, like I'm, I'm, I'm not even the biggest Pixar fan. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. what they're doing is is high quality and it's impressive. Um, it's just not a lot of the stuff they put out. It's not to my taste, I guess. So this mm-hmm. isn't some sort of, I, I don't know, like personal de- uh, like like uh, shield mm-hmm. for them or something. But generally, they're what it's they're thought of as this very innovative company, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, could they have achieved everything they've achieved, both creatively and technologically, without going public? I really wonder, like the point of going public or well, not the point, but, you know, a point from a business justification is that you now have more funding, right? You're now better financed and able to, you know, hire the best research uh, researchers or hire the best, um, you know, experts in whatever technology you're working in or whatever, et cetera. And it's this double edged sword because I guess if if and I'm throwing out ifs, I don't exactly know, but if you needed to go public to get all of that to be able to move forward, the the other side of going public is that you now have shareholders to, mm-hmm. to report to. And um, like the only reason they gave you money to begin with is because they expect their, their payout. Right. And yeah. so you, you kind of, you are um, incentivized, motivated, mo- motivated, even like mm-hmm. almost like what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's like a, a, a promise, I guess, in a way that you're going to do everything you can to get them their money back. And mm-hmm. so there is that business pure capitalist like we just need money 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 motivation just automatically kicks in as of having gone private mm-hmm. or sorry public and so if the right thing to do was to never go into that situation so that you can protect your workers and not just be purely capitalistic in every business sense ever and um you know focus on your art craft you would forever be in the situation where you wouldn't be able to hire the best technologists mm-hmm. or whatever 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 and it's like what what is the what's the middle ground that would have allowed that high level, high quality of work to happen without suddenly being beholden to the, the, you know, the, the desires, the demands, I guess, of shareholders and and the need to like achieve exponential growth, I guess like it's one, the last thing it's like, if you look at tech industry stocks, like I, I I don't give a shit really, but (laughs) like when there's a stock announcement, it's more, it's interesting. You read the stock announcement and the companies will say things like, We've done fantastic. We've doubled our revenue, money, 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 blah, 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 blah. We've doubled our revenue. However, you know, next year we probably won't quite 
do the same thing. Like, you know, coronavirus happened, this happened, that happened. So just, just a heads up. And even though they're making double as much money as they did, the stock price goes down like 20%. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, it's like, okay, like there's like these, yeah, I get it. There's like the, from the shareholder point of view, there's this hard business expectations. Yeah. And then from the, like, I just want to make amazing things and this is profitable. Why are you kicking my project to the bottom of the totem pole perspective? Yeah. yeah. And so like, I don't know. I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not taking that side. I'm wondering how to make everyone happy so that that side can like be happy too, I guess. Yeah. It's a weird thing to me. I mean, I'm, I'm, as you know, biased against billionaires. <laughs> sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not one. So the, so how can I be pro billionaire? Um, I, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, but I mean, I just looked it up cause I guess I'd forgotten that Pixar did have an IPO. I was, I was about to correct you and be like, Oh no, they're, they, they're bought by Disney. They're blah, 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 blah. Uh, but yeah, the 1995, I guess Pixar had the IPO and, and mm-hmm. the first thing Steve jobs did was call up his friend, Larry Ellison and say, hello, Larry, I made it. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> that's how, you know, you've made it. You now have billions of dollars being generated by your, uh, your creative endeavor. But that's, it, when, but it, that's but, when you say I made it, right? Yeah, but it's, it, you know, how many of these IPOs are solely about the company and how much of it is about the people at the top who own the company? Like, he didn't care that his company is successful. He cared that he's a billionaire, right? Um, I, 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 have, I, yeah, <laughs> I have no pushback. I mean, if you look at startups, the idea is that it's like the 10 people start the company and everyone has a share. But then yeah. it's the same thing. Eventually, by the time they IPO, it's like, 500 people and all the money comes to those first 10 people and everyone else is just like the helpers who get a little chunk, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Especially these companies that have been around a long, long time. Um, I don't know. I imagine but, like it's kind of different. Anyway, go on. Well, I was, uh, just to bring it back to the, the, the topic, like I, I, so, I mean, that, that was my perspective with the Warren Spector thing is just the, the sadness, I guess, of, of the, the <laughs> Big corporations. Companies. And, and I guess that was, kind of the same with the the next company i i unfortunately can't remember the name of the studio um i'm i'm really bad with names um but where this... they're working on bioshock yeah um i didn't write it down and i'm also very bad with names like like the the fact that they're saying that like the the guy who's like kind of the visionary for it or whatever he's he's kind of burned out he doesn't want to be part of this uh 200 person team anymore he wants to break off and just have a, the small team experience like i i totally get that and it's so disheartening to me the fact that like they made it sound like this is completely cool let's do it we'll help you out you can start your studio everything's going to be great and then they just lay off everyone else yeah <laughs> and it's just like a studio is so much more than just one person it's vision at the top uh that's that's it's, it's so disheartening how much that gets seen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we should do a i mean i don't know i i almost wish like uh, like if there was a similar book or if or if uh, jason schreier schreer did a did a follow-up on like just companies that were more like that like i think of like clay entertainment i mean i know they just yeah i guess they were just bought Damaging. up by like, 10 cent or something but oh like, were they i missed that news. yeah like i guess everything ends in in the same uh cesspit either, but anyway um center netties <laughs> whatever anyway maybe it's great maybe everything's fine I, I don't want to criticize their company currently maybe it's wonderful seriously um but like for the longest time they were just this little scrappy company that was surviving mm. on their own they never they never ipo'd they made it happen like it just seemed like a like if i was looking to start my own company and run a game company I would have been super happy if it went exactly as it did for them. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no idea, of course. Maybe they struggled financially or maybe there was whatever. But as far as I know, like, they, they were, everything they, publicly. They, they've been pretty much going since I came to know of them. Yeah, well, there you go. That's um, So, like, a highlight of companies that kind of did build the ideal uh, the game dev dream versus, mm-hmm. like, I mean, were we, like, the first three stories were undeniably, I guess, ups and downs, but certainly lots yeah. of downs, right? Yeah. Um, I guess the second, I'm calling them stories, the first three chapters. Um, the second, so you're referring to uh, Ken Levine, I think. Um, mm-hmm. He's the he's kind of the central figure in the second chapter. I actually took some positives out of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree he had some projects that ended exactly as you said. Like he formed a team and then it was all him, him, him. And then the, yeah. the you know, the, the mega corp that he was working under kind of decided we're done with this. Or like, you know, if you're not going to be part of it, we're just going to nix everybody and not really care. Like a lot of negatives, but yeah. I don't know, like. I guess you're right about like the collateral damage of just these people under this guy, but like he, he had some success in kind of like meandering the industry and doing what he wanted. Like it it ended Mm -hmm. kind of somewhat almost like negatively, I guess, but saying like he, he kind of was able to go and start his own small team and now they've been working for like 10 years and we haven't seen anything yet, but whatever. But like, you know, I guess like if you're able to get enough credibility you can find you can kind of like maneuver through the the corporate web of what's out there and land mm-hmm. yourself in a role where you you can go away for 10 years and just work on your dream project or something like there's, mm-hmm. there's almost like some kind of little takeaway that's positive there i guess uh yeah. your spin i think kind of puts it back into perspective like this i think i think you're totally right too it's like there's like a few powerful figures that are given that power and everyone else is just kind of swept away when the time is right which is extremely unfortunate yeah and kind of the theme of the third chapter i guess in a way where it's like about the little guys yeah little little gals and little guys yeah yeah so i mean that's that's more relatable uh, i guess but it, it's 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 been interesting for me at my three studios because like i said the, the first one that i was at the the coalition it was hard for me to understand um what it's like being in the game industry at that point since it was my first job in the industry and i didn't really mm. have a benchmark um but it but it was a it was a reasonable size studio and and rod ferguson was heading that up and uh, you know there was a little bit of crunch but everything was handled fairly well there there was this big mentality there at that studio that like you play the game and everyone's contributing to it whereas like with ea it was it felt so impersonal to me like there was these task lists everyone get them done they don't really care if you're playing the game like there's a group of people that do that and you just you know take for granted the 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 instructions they give you yeah and and that was like a mega corporation where there's people all around the world and and then you know i i it's it that place just wasn't for me and i i I had to leave and and now i'm at an indie studio for the past couple years and it's 30 people and like everyone basically is just like constantly trying their best to, to to contribute Yep. Um, and it's 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 been interesting being at these three different studios that have like such a wide range of of what the work environment is, and I, and I feel like the first place that I was at was like right in the middle. Ah, uh, I see. It's good. That's the order you went in. You didn't. Mm-hmm. It's not like right now you're at the company with that's heartless and and not really uh, making you happy in that way or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, but that's the that's the sort of thing where you know I feel like the coalition had a good sense uh of of what makes a good studio and stuff like rod ferguson was kind of in charge but when he eventually left 
um, which which he did, I think, last year. They didn't close up the studio and lay everyone off. They they found someone else to be in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, again, that's probably just like that pure capitalism. Like they know the the yeah. the people making all the money decisions know that that's the selling point. It's like person X works for us. People yeah. care about this project solely for that reason. No one's going to care. It's not going to make money. Nix it. Nix it. Right. Yeah. And it's that pure that evil that comes out of that purely capitalist way of thinking about things. Yeah. Uh, would be my guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something maybe controversial. Like I, I if I wish we had an audience, like people might push back <laughs> on this. I'd love to hear what people think. But I'm just like for me so, as someone so, someday we can do this live for our audience. <laughs> yeah, people will call in. Um, <laughs> uh, like I guess for me, I just pondered for a long time like what it would mean to go as a software engineer and go and work at a game company. Like I guess if you're at a smaller game company, you you know I, I think at smaller companies you, your role like what you actually do tends to kind of bend and push outside of your actual on paper role somewhat. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like you might be a, an art person, but you'll, you'll have maybe more design decisions because there's going to be times when it's like 10 people sitting in a room and you have ideas and people will kind of listen to you. But like, especially at like a bigger company, like say EA, mm-hmm. what would motivate me as a software person to go work at EA? Like, I feel like, <clears throat> like the kind of the problem space in games is very interesting, actually very, very interesting, but there's just so many like super interesting problems uh, like across software in general. Right. And like, if you're into more like creative things like game design or something like, I don't know that you would f- scratch that itch by doing a software job at like EA or something. Now, again, this is where like I- I'm ignorant. I'm, I'm declaring my ignorance. Maybe there's something I'm missing here, but I just, I can see maybe more why like an artist would want to go and work in the game industry, even if it meant working at big corp, whatever, and being kind of one of the small fries, what they're building is in the game, right? I feel I like mean, a software person, you're quite replaceable, really, right? Like, I don't well, know. I mean, I mean, I can't fairly comment because that wasn't my department, right? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I mean, they do have proprietary software that they work on. Like, the, their game engine is proprietary. So, if if you're into like designing real time graphics engines and stuff, uh, you know, maybe th- there's a real positive benefit to joining a company where they're doing that as opposed to sitting at home and trying to do it yourself. Right. Like, like there's, there's people that make indie games who that's what is the exciting part for them is making the engine itself, not making the game. Yeah. Again, I'm not, this isn't meant to be disparaging. It's more of a a question I would pose. Like what is Mm -hmm. it that drives people in this particular space? And it's, it's, I guess largely the reason I'm not working there is I don't, I, I haven't, perceived of of something that would be better to switch into mm-hmm. that role explicitly now if i was to make my own game on the side and if i could make the time to do that maybe take on a little project it'd probably be really fun and building the engine would be really fun partially mm-hmm. because it's in service of this game that i've conceived of and i'm, I'm building that right mm-hmm. uh, if it's kind of like when you go on the message boards and there's all these people it's a cliche big time i know but like all these people are like i have the best idea for a game but i can't do art or program i need to find people to make my game for me mm-hmm. right <laughs> like like why would you sign up for that as a software person, right? If, if you're just <laughs> taking orders and building what they want, which is, I guess, that's that's where I'm ignorant. That's what I perceive it would be like to work at, say, EA, where it's like you're, you're building an engine and it's fun, but like you're not. Yeah. Maybe it's kind of like direction from above. Like, here's what we need the engine to do, right? Whereas, like, if it, it was your own project, like I, I remember that guy who was building, uh, is it Voxel World? And he kind of started, like, I think. I forget the detail that he was making a game originally, but he got so obsessed with making the engine for that game. He kind of met and focused on that instead. Mm-hmm. 
And I could see that because it's like a creative thing. Like the engine is now what you're building and yeah. that's fun, right? It's like maybe not the like actually typing out the code part is fun, but making an yeah. engine that works is fun. I mean, that, that's something that's been interesting to me as a visual effects artist because like I've, I've worked with Houdini, which is this procedural yeah. thing. And I find it way more interesting to build like a procedural system that can build anything that I want it to. Mm compared to building the exact right explosion that you need for gotcha. this given shot. And mm -hmm. so so I feel like I can totally appreciate the idea of like building an engine for a specific game versus building an engine for a whole variety of different genres of games <laughs> and trying to make it work for all these different cases. Yeah. Cuz like the, the they're using the same engine for for FIFA as they are for Battlefront, right? Like <laughs> yeah. like like it's not just a matter of like build something that will give you the exact inventory system that I need for this role playing game. Yeah. It's it's like how do I make something that's flexible and efficient at the same time? And I I can I can see how that would be a, a, a interesting challenge, especially if you're in an environment where people are constantly giving you requests for this is what I need. How can you provide this to me? And then they're like, okay, well, how can I fit that in and not break everything else? Yeah. Yep. I, you're right. I mean, I totally see that. Um, I guess, again, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it through the lens of stereotypes. I'm mm -hmm. imagining working 60 hours a week at EA or something, kind of having people say, build this, build this, and then just mm -hmm. building it or going to big, big tech company X mm -hmm. and working, you know, 50 hours a week for like, of much better compensation and then spending 10 hours on your passion project on the side instead and kind of doing exactly what you want. And that, that just seems like the obvious choice, I guess. And maybe I'm being obnoxious or saying that from a position of privilege or something, but that's where I kind of want to square this circle for people who go and do that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think these days, um, I don't know, I guess it's not fair to generalize. I feel like the, the whole crunch thing is, Better, was a bigger better. problem i mean they apparently like crunched people like crazy on uh, on cyberpunk over in poland mm -hmm. uh, so there there's definitely situations where it's bad but like there was a whole ea spouse thing that happened i think back yeah. in like 2000 quite a while now five or 2006 or something um and i i feel like my experience at ea was that the, the crunch is not nearly as endemic as it used to be. Like most yeah. of the people who are putting in the hours love putting in the hours and you can't tell them to go home after 40 hour week. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, if you, if you're trying to, to go from kind of that perception and saying like work there for 60 hours a week versus this other place for 50, it's, I, I don't think that really is a fair part of the equation i'm sure you're right i actually recognize it's not fair i guess just like that that's how i have thought of it over mm -hmm. the past however many years and it's probably completely off the rails so i, I recognize that yeah. but 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 i mean um i i can only speak about the place that i work i, I couldn't <laughs> yeah. comment on on what it's like anywhere else i mean i i don't think anyone's crunched at valve uh in a couple decades is that uh, a, is that a swing at them <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, you have to make a game first, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just coast uh, on your money bags. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, Cyberpunk was kind of notorious for it. Whereas um, I think Insomniac, they just put out um, uh, the new Ratchet and Clank game. And I'm pretty sure I saw articles talking about how 
there was no crunch at all for it. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, that's nice to see that that moving in that direction. I have to run here. Yep. We should probably wrap it up. Uh, what yep. did you think? Uh, I guess we didn't really touch on the third chapter as much. I mean, I, I, that's kind of what was dredging up the, uh, the, the memories of people telling us to quit in Vancouver and, and make a, uh, yeah. a game studio. It was just this idea of, you know, the Indies trying to do that and not breaking even. And man, that's, that's, that's an intimidating lifestyle that I can't bring myself to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so far, three chapters in, I think the book is worth reading. I'm going to certainly finish it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I also like the first book. I would say both of the, uh, Jason's books are, are quite worth reading. Um, especially, I mean, like I'm just simply interested in the subject matter, but I think if you weren't like you, you mentioned the dairy, dairy industry version, I don't know. <laughs> I, I might get a, I wouldn't say a laugh. It's kind of a sad story, but I, I might be very interested in the dairy industry version of this, but you know, being games, it's just that much more interesting. So uh, yeah. I'll throw my, uh, my, my positive vote in there too. Yeah. Uh, did you get to play anything this week? <laughs> good one um <laughs> so no mm, i'm trying to think if i even did anything at all uh no no i didn't do anything totally zero uh, it's just been a, a busy week that's i played some uh uh, uh mahjong on my cell phone that's it but, i mean that counts that's uh, yeah 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 that well we'll go with that that's okay. gaming for the week all right i i wrapped up downtown special can you Kun's historical period drama uh that name man that name (laughs) (laughs) i i have to call it up ahead of times and and read it just to make sure i I, I get get every syllable i i I really like that game i've never i know they re-released it i know it's on you played on switch or something and i think that you said they fixed the um, the slowdown but like on the original nintendo it felt like this ambitious awesome game that was just ah like you should just go and play it or look at a video or something like it's basically in slowdown mode I'd say 90% of the time, like the vast majority yeah. of the time it is in slowdown, NES slowdown mode. And it just makes it really hard to enjoy. I'll say that. Yeah. So, so I mean, I didn't realize it at the time, but um, on the Switch, they actually have the original version and the new bug fixed version. So, so it defaults to the new version, uh, uh, but you can actually opt to play it with all that slowdown and everything in it if you really want. I like the choice to say, here's the original game. We didn't screw with it. Just play it. Yeah. And then kind of defaulting to the, as you call it, bug fix version to say like, yeah, this is, this was what we wanted, but couldn't do at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it was an interesting one to play because, um, you know, there's not very many uh, play guides and stuff out there. Like trying to figure out what stuff is, is was in itself uh, a little bit of a challenge. So, you know, we, we just played it and enjoyed it and, uh, uh my six-year-old and I beat that together, and it was it was fun. He, he yeah. was, all three of us uh, were walking around singing the songs from it. <laughs> Sweet, <laughs> very nice. Well, that's that's the positive note we should end on. Yep. Yes. All right. Well, all right. until next time, sir. Uh, uh, we should do a follow-up when we're both done the whole book. Cool. Let's do it. Cool. All right. All right. Cheers. Yep. Take care.